All right, so good morning again. All right, uh, we got a good amount of stuff that I'd like to, for us to cover this morning, so I'm just going to go ahead and jump right, right into what we're doing. Uh, I'm going to start off with a question, and uh, it's simply this. Have you ever wanted to do something and just couldn't quite muster up, in, muster up enough motivation to actually do it. Like, you really wanted that thing, whatever it was, but you just, really, when it came down to it, you just couldn't quite get yourself to take a step forward toward actually doing it. So the classic example would be uh, dieting and exercise. Like, I want to shed a few LBs. I want to get a little bit healthier. I want to get in shape, but when it actually comes down to getting out there and cutting the carbs and get, hitting the pavement, not quite so much. That's like a completely different thing that happens at that point that just stops us short uh, of getting what it is that we want. A more serious example would be uh, dealing with a drug addiction, trying to get free of an addiction to something. So uh, many people, most people who have an addiction, whether it's to drugs or to alcohol or tobacco or pornography or food or Netflix, like whatever it is that we are addicted to, like most people actually have a desire, a want to, to break free of that addiction, but then there's just not enough want to in us to actually break free of it. Those folks that, that deal with such addictions, that it, it takes more than just want to. Like it feels virtually impossible to break the habit or to start a good habit or whatnot. Sometimes we want to do things, but quite honestly, it's just not enough to want to do it, right? Sometimes it's not enough to want to. We need someone to make us do it. So back to the addiction example, the, a person who really wants to break free of the addiction, they know that they can't, so they admit themselves into rehab. And in rehab, they're made to go sober, to, go, to get clean. They're made to detox. They're, they're made to clean up. They wouldn't have done it on their own had they not actually been forced to, to get into that situation. And there's so much that we want to do, but there's just really not enough want to in us to do what it is that we want to do. And what we need is for someone to make us do it. And so that's kind of the series that we're, we're in. And in the middle of the series that we're calling Make Me. And what, what we're hoping to do in this series is to just shine a light on how much each of us actually needs God in our lives. Like how much we need for God to be at work and involved in, in our lives. So a, a true, genuine, sincere follower of Jesus, we, those of us that, that's true of, we have a, this sincere desire to feel the closeness of God, to be close to him. And, and there's a insincere desire for us to please the Lord and imitate the example of Jesus. There, there's this want to in us to be a good Christian husband or a good Christian wife, good Christian dad, a good Christian um, uh, mom. Like, there's a desire to be strong in our faith. But the truth is that no matter how much we desire that, the truth is we can't get there. There's not enough want to in me to will myself to be all these things that God would have me to be. Each of us needs God to make us into that person. 
So the, the prayer really, as we go through the series, simply this, God, make me into a follower of Jesus who actually gets to enjoy this good life that you've promised. God, make me into this follower of Jesus who reflects your glory, who, who reflects your character, who lives for your honor. Make me into this person that you created me to be. God, I want to, I really want to, but there's just not enough want to in me, so make me to do it. And so just to review a little bit, we started this a few weeks ago. So in, in week one uh, of this series, we prayed, God, make me safe. God, make me safe. So many of us are just sick and tired of the stress and the fear and the worry. So we want to pray, God, I want to make me to experience your peace in my life. And the verse that we specifically looked at that week was Psalm chapter 4, verse 8. It says, in peace I will both lie alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. And last, uh, the, the reality is that God's ways, his thoughts are higher far infinitely unless he gives us like spiritual eyes the spiritual things of God are spiritually discerned so God has to implant that truth in us he has to open up our eyes open up our hearts to his reality how he wants us to live how he wants us to to work through this life and so we looked at Psalm chapter 119 verse 27 which says make me understand the way of your precepts make me understand what it is that you want for my life and, and how I should live this life that you have for me. And uh, I'll say this, that if you have missed any of the last few sermons or messages, you can listen to them online. They're available on our, our website. You get a www.anthem-church.org. Click on the resources tab and just click then on messages. You can listen to them there. You can also go to iTunes. You can do a search for Anthem church uh, sermon audio, and you can listen to messages there. Just want to, it's just a resource for all of us there. So anyway, I digress back to what we're talking about this morning. Our specific prayer today is this, God, make me know. So two weeks ago, make me safe. Last week, make me understand. This week, make me know. And specifically, God, make me to know how short, how fleeting my life really is. So if you have your Bible with you, please turn with me to the book of Psalms. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 39 this morning. We'll, we'll have verses on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. Uh, but we always encourage people to bring a, a Bible and follow along in, in your own scripture if you can. So as you're turning to Psalm chapter 39, uh, let me just kind of go on. Isn't it shocking how quickly life goes by? It is amazing how fast this, this life actually is. It's mid-April. It's mid-April. Wasn't it like two days ago that we were getting up and opening up Christmas presents? Like, honestly, this year is almost halfway over. That's nuts. That's ridiculous. And, and my Edie is about to turn seven years old in two months. Seven. Seven. In the fall, she goes to second grade. Last week, she was in a crib. Like, I'm extremely certain, I have a vague memory, last week Edie was in a crib, and she probably was, but anyway, like, just this past week, I mean, we're, I'm, I see uh, Steve Emery, he's a neighbor, we we're just talking, and, and I, randomly, he said, don't you remember when you brought your kids home the first time from the hospital, and we were talking about that for a while, and he was talking about Robert, he's like, man, I remember when I brought Robert home from the hospital the first time, it feels like just yesterday, and now he's 25 years old, like, it's shocking how fast time just 
slips by. Folks, next, like, so a year from now, next, next May, I would have spent as many years post-graduating from college as I did pre-graduating from college. What? <laughs> Why? How does that happen? How, like, that is amazing to me. I'm like 42 going on 43. What? This doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I just, I, I promise you, like I was fine. I was young. I was in my 20s and I woke up one day, my hair is gone and I can't get off the couch without grunting. <laughs> like it's just life. Like all of a sudden it just does that to us. It's shocking how fast this life goes by. And so if, if life does actually go by that quickly, let me ask you this. Why do we put so much stock and energy into today? Like, if life is that fleeting, why do we invest so much into this now? Into right, right now. Like, if life is here and gone just like that, why are we so fixated in this little moment right here, right now, this moment today? So I, I remember very specifically back in high school, I had to have the Air Jordans. And if you're old enough, you know what this means back in the day. I had to have the Air Jordans, $130, $140 pair of sneakers, which is an absurd amount for shoes, period, an absurd amount for a teenager, especially 25 years ago, however long it was. But I had to have it. Like in that moment, in that present reality, I could not live unless I wore these Air Jordans. It wouldn't make, life wouldn't make sense, so I thought. And folks, here's the reality. 25 years later, what difference does it make? Does it matter whether or not I wore the kicks? It doesn't matter in the slightest. And I did. God, forgive me for the ridiculous embellishment. And it's fascinating how much weight we put on this present that we are, we're all in presently. How much weight we put on it. We, we live life today as if there's nothing more. Like, like today is it and there's nothing else. We live to, as if today is it. We, we make decisions and we pursue things today as if today is going to last forever. We, this is what, what I always mean when I say that we're prisoners of the moment. You hear me say this often. Our natural human tendency is to be prisoners of the right here and the, and the right now. Uh, our natural tendency as human beings is to fixate on what is, what's wrong right now, what is happening right now, what I, what I want right now. Our, our predisposition is to obsess about the right now, my problems, my issues, my luxuries, my comforts right now. And we live in such a way right now that we don't even consider about tomorrow or the next day or a few years from now, let alone in eternity. We're so fixated with our world right now now that it doesn't occur to us that much, that much, maybe even the majority of what we obsess over and we get so upset over will not matter this evening, tomorrow, next year, 25 years from now, let alone when we step into eternity. 
We're captive to the moment. Our, our here and now matters only in so much as it matters later. What we do today is important only in so much as it's important in the future. And, and if that's true, like if life does go by so fast, is it not better to devote our lives to things that last? Like, doesn't it make sense? If life is like here and gone and quick and just like that, isn't it better to devote my life to the things that are eternal and that are meaningful? And this is the perspective, the proper perspective all of us should have. But it's a perspective that cuts against the grain. It is really unnatural to us to think that way. So we need for God to make us to think that way. We need God to give us the right perspective. We need for God make me to know how fleeting my life is. That I may now live for the things that are of eternal worth and eternal significance. And that's the lesson that we're learning in Psalm chapter 39. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to read verses 4 through 7 all at once. So if you have your Bible, just follow along with me. Psalm chapter 39, verses 4 through 7. It says, Lord, make me, make me to know my end and what is the extent of my days. Let me know how transient I am. Behold, you have made my days as hand breaths. And my lifetime is as nothing in your sight. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. Surely every man walks about as a phantom. Surely they make an uproar for nothing. He amasses riches and does not know who will gather them. And now, Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. And may God bless the reading of his word. This text forces us to confront something that most of us don't want to, don't want to think about. We want to avoid it. it. This text brings us face to face with the reality of our mortality. It's what it does. It, for most of us, this is a highly uncomfortable thought or, or topic or issue, and I would argue that it should be uncomfortable for us. And the reason why is that death is completely unnatural. It is actually abnormal. We were not created to die. Do you realize this? That in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve, and he placed them in a beautiful garden, and he provided everything that they could ever need, and included in that provision was access to what is called the tree of life. And so long as they had access to the tree of life and ate of it, they would live. But unfortunately, tragically, they ate of the one tree that God said to abstain from. They partook of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And through that one deliberate, willful act of rebellion and disobedience against God, because of that, that one act, they lost access to the tree of life. The tree of life was removed from planet Earth. Through that one sinful act, death entered the world and has plagued the human family ever, ever since. Uh, death may be common, right? Death is common, but it's abnormal. It's not 
the way God intended it to be. We were created for life, not for death. And so it totally makes sense that I would recoil at the thought of death. It doesn't sit well in my spirit. Well, I'm talking about my death or that of another. It does not sit well in my soul because deep down I know there's something wrong about death. And because the thought of death is so utterly disconcerting to us that our natural response is to kind of avoid thinking about it all, all together. We, we, we want to ignore it. And so when we ignore this, in essence, what we're really doing is that we're living in denial, at least practically living in denial. I know that we all in, in our head or deep down, we understand that death is imminent. We know that one day, Sooner or later, one way or the other, it's coming, right? We know that at any moment it may come for us, but we ignore the truth. And we, when we ignore it, then in essence what we're doing is that we're living life as if we're going to live forever. Because we're not thinking in terms of finality. We're not thinking of, of something else being on the other side. And, and I would argue that as difficult as it is, as, as kind of, confusing and, and, and angst that it causes to think about this, it is actually good to ponder our mortality. It is a good thing for us. It's in our best interest to think about what is coming down the road. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 2, it says, It is better to go to a house of mourning than to a house of feasting, because that is the end of every man and the living takes it to heart. That, that verse right there teaches us that it's actually a good thing to go to a funeral. And it's a good thing to go to a funeral because it reminds us that we're on a countdown. Sooner or later, one way or the other, this life that we know will come to an end. This is a cheery topic. I'm looking around, and like everybody, like literally, you should see, I should get my phone out and take a picture. Like, this is so sad, right? It, and that's right. We should, that, see, that's what I'm saying, that we have this instant natural reaction. Like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk about it. Why is the pastor? I thought I came to church to get encouraged. Why are we talking about death? But it's good for us. And it is a terrifying thought for some of us to think about that that day it is in my best interest to take it to heart how frail i am it is in my best interest to realize that one day life in this body will cease my life is fleeting it is transient it is temporary it is temporal it will not endure it will not last forever and folks it will be brief it will Pass by and be gone before I know it. In, in the text we read, Psalm 39 in verse 5, it says that we are but a mere breath. Is how God describes us. James chapter 4, verses 13 and 14 says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor, just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Don't we treat things differently when we know that they have a shelf life? 
milk. Just think about milk. All right, you go to the store, you buy some milk, you put it in the refrigerator. You can forget about it, but you always kind of kind of keep your eye on it, right? Because it's got what on it? It's got an expiration date, right? And so you might use it some, you might wait till the last day. But let me tell you, if it's the day of the expiration date, you will bend over backwards. You will sacrifice to make sure that milk gets to put, gets to put good use, right? You will break out the Oreos. You'll break out the Captain Crunch. That milk will not go to waste. And similarly, we come into this world with an, with an expiration date. And one of the many profound differences between us and milk, one of them being that Unlike milk, we do not come with the actual expiration date written on us. We have an expiration date. We just don't know what it is. So I can go to the grocery store, buy the gallon of milk, put it in my refrigerator, completely forget about it. And so long as I break it out the day of the expiration, or maybe a day late, right, some of us. But anyway, it might smell a little funky, but we'll be all right. So we'll, we'll take it out. We'll make sure it gets put to good use. But the problem is I can't live that way because I have an expiration date, but I don't know when it is. I don't know if I have only today or another year or another 50 years. So it is only logical knowing that life is going to come and go, and I don't know when it's going to go. It's only logical and wise and reasonable that I would live right now as if my right now is the last right now that I will ever have on this earth. It only makes sense to live for something else, something bigger than just right now, because I don't know when that moment will be. And this is what it means to live a wise life. Psalm chapter 90, verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Like a life of wisdom, a heart of wisdom, is one in which we embrace the reality of our mortality. A heart of wisdom is when we embrace, when we embrace the brevity of our life so that we may live with urgency in our life toward the things that are meaningful, eternally significant, things that, that truly, that truly matter. Wisdom is seizing the day. Carpe diem, UNC grads. Carpe diem is seize the day. Take full advantage of these brief Moments, and I won't even pluralize it. I'll, I'll make it singular, this brief moment that we have. Seize it and make everything that should be made out of it. Wisdom is saying life goes by fast, so I will work for that which will last. Wisdom is saying I will not waste my life pursuing the things of the world. I will not waste my life obsessing over earthly things. I will not waste today worrying about my less than uh, ideal circumstances. I will not waste today a prisoner of the moment wondering about what could have been and what should have been and what I'd like to have, daydreaming about worldly things. I'm not going to waste my life on that. I will not be a prisoner of the moment. I will live today. I will live this day, not for this day, but for that day when I step into eternity. That, folks, is wisdom. Not living for this, something bigger, greater coming down the pike. And we don't know when that will be. It does us good to consider our death. It, death, it fills us with wisdom. 
it, it aligns our priorities to the way they should be. It, it gives us the right perspective that we should have. In Psalm 39, verse 6, in our text, it says, Surely every man walks about as a phantom. Surely they make an uproar for nothing. He amasses riches and does not know who will gather them. So, just, just a question. If, if I know that my life is going to come and go and it's going to pass, and it's going to be really quick and really brief in, in all of that, why should I devote my life to the obsession and the pursuit of money and houses and cars and materialism? Like, is that really how I should spend this brief moment that God has given to me? And I would argue no, because you can't take it with you. Like this text tells us, who's going to gather the stuff that you gather? Because you cannot take it with you anywhere. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, you know, do not store treasure on earth. Store treasure in heaven. In other words, don't live today for the here and now. Live today for the then and there. Live for the heavenly and for the eternal. It is a life, a life is wasted if a life is spent devoted seeking out and searching for the things of the world. I want the, the fancy vacations. I want the bigger home. I want the newer car. I want the nicer clothing. I want this. I want that. Ultimately, those things leave us wanting. We, we tirelessly pursue, I want a bigger bank account. I want nicer toys for my kids. I want this, I want that. And we, we tire ourselves out, folks. You understand that that kind of living is completely unsustainable. It is utterly exhausting. It's an exercise in futility. But no, we go after it and we chase after it and we keep going and we cry and get mad when we don't get what we want, when we want, how we want. And we get upset and upset and it always leaves us wanting every time just like a pair of air jordans it doesn't matter it does not matter one bit we get so upset because in this country we feel entitled to certain things the world owes this to me i should have this much income and this kind of job and this much square footage i should have these things and we get upset we spiral into depression and negativity and grumbling and complaining when we don't get what i want when i want why? Folks, you know that we're going to wake up one day in God's presence, and it won't matter. It won't matter whether your house was 1,500 square feet or 3,000 3, square feet. It won't make a hill of beans difference. None of it, but we obsess and we labor, and it never gets us what we want. We chase our tail, and we grind ourselves to the ground, and then we complain, how come I'm not happy? How come I'm not satisfied? Because we're looking for it in the absolute wrong places. Any day from now, in the very short future, very, very, very soon, maybe today, Maybe tomorrow, a year from now, 25 years from now, if, whenever. We're going to step into eternity. And these things of the world that we obsess over will not matter. So, so why? 
Why is this what we make our lives all about? If earthly things aren't what I should focus my life on, if temporary things aren't what I should center my life around, then what should it be? And we get the answer here in in chapter 39, verse 7. He says, and now, Lord, for what do I wait? In the previous verse, it was like, oh, you're, you're seeking to amass riches and you're, you're seeking for the things of the world. And so he's, there's an understanding that there's nothing good there. So he asked the question, Lord, for what should I wait? And he answers his own question. My hope is in you. Like that's, that's it. That's everything. My, my hope is in you. It is infinitely better. What is, what is infinitely better than placing our trust in the things of the world and waiting for them to somehow pay off in our lives? What is infinitely better than that is casting our hope upon the Lord and waiting for the eternal payoff that we will receive with him in glory. Like that's infinitely better. Like, I do understand this, and I recognize this, and I affirm this, that yes, God is a gracious king who blesses his people now. Praise God for that. And I affirm that God is a good father who gives good gifts to his children. Praise God for his provision and his his blessings today. His new mercies are, are new every day. Praise God for that. But what I know is that those are sprinkles on top. That the true blessing, the true hope of the Christian faith is not the things of this world, it's the things of the next world. It's that one day in Christ, I have the assurance that when my eyes close in this life for the last time, they will open for the first time and I will see my God. That's the promise that God gives to us. All who place their faith in Jesus, who give their lives to him, who believe in what he did on the cross, who believe he was raised from the third day, you will live with joy and assurance knowing that one day God himself will take you by the hand, seat you at his banquet table. He will wipe the tears from your eyes and he will lavish you with glory and mercy and majesty and resplendence and light for all eternity. That is the blessed hope of the gospel of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. Unending love in his presence. So imagine you're at the airport. You're waiting on your flight. You're in the terminal. Concourse D. Gate D12, sitting there, waiting for your flight. And, and you see this person come to your terminal, come to your concourse, come to your gate. And obviously, they're ready for a flight, right? And they, they rip up that seat, that, that gate seat, that very comfortable gate seat, right? No, no it's, it's completely uncomfortable. So they, they take that seat and they throw it, and they brought with them a lazy boy. And they part that sucker right there, and they, I mean, they, they bring an ottoman, they got a nice little table on the side and put a little lamp there. They got, they're, they're bringing in, they're adding plants around them. They piped in cable. They brought in cable so they can watch TV. They got their flat screen nice set up right in front of them. They got their drinks. They got their snacks. I mean, they're, they're making this gate their home. They're, they're getting really comfy. 
really homey right here. What would you think? You would think that the person is utterly out of their mind. Why in the world are you investing all this time and all this energy and all this money and all of these resources for your stay at the gate? Any moment the attendant could call your flight. This is not your final destination. You're about to go somewhere, but you're spending all your time and your resources and making everything nice and comfy and just for me right here. Is that not the same thing that we do in our lives? Folks, our lives here on earth, we're at a terminal. This is our concourse. This is our gate. We're just waiting for the attendant to say, time to board your flight. And on the other side is Jesus. But no, we come in here, well, holy cow, well, let me get the plasma TVs and the, and the LED TVs. And let me get this. And let me get that. The second home, the bigger vacations, the nicer car. Let me make it all about my amenities. Let me make it about how nice my house is. Let me make it about my next job and promotion. How much can I get in my bank account? We make it all about that, folks. We're just here, but for a second, this is not home. This is not our destination. Do you understand this? feeling particularly convicted if it's coming out to this morning it's i'm just working myself through that we desperately need this perspective we need to pray what psalm 39 verse 4 says lord make me make me to understand make me to know my end and what is the extent of my days let me know how transient i am to to pray psalm 39 verse 4 is to pray i want to live for what matters what that means I, I i don't want to live for today i want to live for what is eternal lord make me to appreciate the brevity of my life that i may live with urgency in my life for the things that truly matter this life lord will pass by so fast make me to live for the things that will last lord make me to have an eternal perspective make me to live with blessed hope well, what does that look like? What, what does it mean to live with eternal perspective and eternal hope and blessed hope? What does that mean? What does that look like? It's living every moment of your life as if you are about to see Jesus. Living every second of your day as if any second you are about to walk into the presence of mighty, loving God. But see, that that person was rude to me, and they hurt me, and they mistreated me, and they offended me, and my wife is a total, and my husband is a total. But, Lord, I'm going to love them best I can, and regardless of what they say to me, regardless of what that employee says to me, regardless of what my neighbor says to me, regardless how I'm mistreated, it may be unfair and it may not be just, regardless of that, Lord, I'm not going to sweat it. And I'm not going to sweat it because any day now, I'm going to be with you. I will not sweat the small stuff. Before I know it, I'm going to be in the presence of almighty God who loves me. So I, It's okay. 
I haven't got the job promotion that I desired. I haven't gotten a, a, a job or a, a, a pay raise in, in 12 years. Lord, that, that may be unfair. I may even deserve it. I may have been passed over unjustly. But Lord, sooner or later, you are going to promote me into your presence. And you're going to shower me with glory. So you know what? It's all good. It's all good. I can't afford to take the kids to Disney. I can't afford my dream home. I have to drive a 16-year-old rust bucket. Lord, Father, I am so good with it. When I step into your presence and I see Jesus, none of this will matter at all. Live every moment as if you're about to see Jesus, the prize. He's the prize of our faith. To behold the faith of our, face of our Savior. Live every moment as if you're about to see Jesus face to face. Assuming that Christ does not return, first, all of us have a date with our own funeral. I'm going to ask this as a pastor, but I ask it on behalf of other pastors. Don't put a pastor in a position to not, to, to not be able to say with confidence whether or not you are with Christ. And don't put your loved ones in a position to wonder whether or not you are in heaven. Live every moment so as to leave no doubt as to who you're with and where you are. And the way that you do that is living every moment as if you are about to see Jesus. Be a hope-filled follower of Christ. Do not be a captive of the here and now, but set your gaze on the earthly, I'm sorry, on the heavenly and the eternal.